Hello Insiders and a very pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be. This is your host Bruce Ash along with co-host Deb Wilkinson and broadcasting live from the modern KVOI broadcast complex in Tucson, Arizona, welcoming you to an Armed Forces Day edition of Inside Track. Hey, thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We welcome your calls today on the Essential Pest Live line at 790-2040. Before the we Grand get rolling, Pest is here right now, <laughs> the aforementioned Mr. Rudin. <laughs> Before we get rolling, let me remind you that Inside Track is brought to you by our great sp- supporters. We've got Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Their junk is your treasure. Call Jamie or Craig at 209-1576. And Bruce, I actually have a client that's going to teach me how to weld, so I need to stop by and pick up some scrap metal from uh, Jamie. Oh, you're a dangerous person. <laughs> Not yet, but I will be. <laughs> and our co-host... Eric Rudin at Essential Pest Control, who shares your dislike of bugs, vermin, and weeds. Call the Essential team at 886-3029. Help them get rid of your tumbleweeds. Eric will be hosting our Memorial Day weekend show. He has a great show planned. And also, Joy and Allie at Corazon Cabinets. High-quality cabinets for your home you'll love at a price you can afford. Call the Corazon Kids at 488-2266. And please pay attention to our new spot for Wright Flight. We love the work that our friend, retired U.S. Air Force fighter pilot Robin Stoddard does, helping train kids to be more responsible students and give them a chance to fly and land an airplane. That's the operative thing. How good is that? (laughs) When, When your landings equal your takeoffs, life is good. And as a former Marine aviator, I can appreciate the great work that Wright Flight does here in southern Arizona. And I want to shout out, along with all my fellow veterans, to wish all of our active duty military men and women a contemplative and meaningful Armed Forces Day. Also supporting Inside Track is my friend and Inside Track co-host, Ab Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. I could not agree with my friend Ab enough. We owe so much to our active and uh, our active volunteer forces, Marines like Ab, sailors, airmen, spacemen, ground pounders in the Army, National Guard, uh, and reserves, Coast Guardsmen, and like the, like my Uncle Bill. And if you will indulge me for just a little bit, I'd also like to include all of the brave women who defend our borders being honored this Armed Forces Day. Absolutely. Ebb creates wealth for loads of veterans, some active service volunteers, and gun owners just like you. Call him today at 777-1911. All of our sponsors are locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do, so should you. And we have another great lineup for you this afternoon. Our first guest today is friend of the show, author, and thought leader, Scott Powell. After the bottom of the hour break... We take a break from politics and pivot to healthcare. Dr. Josh Umber joins us to talk about telemedicine. Mr. Producer, let's take our first break a little early, and please be sure to bring the right flight promo. Um, You're listening to Inside Track. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Scott Powell and talk about discovering America. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. 
It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Instead of an activity where every kid gets a trophy, those who graduate from Wright Flight get to fly a plane. But only if they get good grades, are well-behaved, and pass a written test. I'm Robin Stoddard, an ex-fighter pilot. I founded Wright Flight because I knew it could help kids reach new heights in their schools, homes, and communities. Endorsed by educators at every level, nonprofit Wright Flight has changed thousands of lives since 1986. Learn more at rightflight.org. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back. Uh, I'm not sure everybody heard the <laughs> the uh, beginning of the show when uh, we thought Eric's uh, uh, microphone was hot and uh, it was dead. What's uh, but, his name? But uh, introduce Eric yourself, Rudin. Eric. <laughs> Hi, I'm Eric Rudin with Essential Pass Control. Thank and you. And you're going to co-host. Hi, Eric. You're going to you're going to host our show next week when Eb and I are up to uh, no good. Uh, looking forward to it. Happy Armed Forces Day to all of our military volunteers. Our first guest this afternoon is Scott Powell. As we mentioned previously, he's a conservative author and thought leader. We talked with him a couple of months ago and decided to invite him back to Inside Track because he was such a great guest. Welcome back, Scott. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you and your audience. You bet. Happy you can join us today. The other night, Tucker Carlson, he's the only guy, I watch one hour of news on TV every evening, and I either listen or watch them live or tape it. But Tucker Carlson reported a new threat that the World Health Organization, who meets this week in Geneva, will try to put the final nail in the coffin of public health. My jaw dropped watching and listening to him describe the Biden administration's colluding with the folks from the New World Order and what they're thinking about forcing on America and the world because they're so darn smart. You wrote about this uh, this Thursday for Newsmax. Share your thoughts on this crazy treaty on public health that they want to force on the United States and the rest of the world. Well, I think the most controversial part of it is that uh, what I reported uh, was that, that Joe Biden's people, people behind his administration, and we don't know who those people are. We know that 
that uh, Joe Biden is not the real president. He's really a, a puppet. He was installed, and uh, he has people really determining policy behind him, and we don't know who all those people are. But it, but the Biden administration uh, delivered to uh, the, the, the World Health Organization on January 18th a uh, proposed amendments that, that uh, would basically those amendments, should they get adopted, would empower the World Health Organization to unilaterally intervene in affairs of any nation, that includes the United States, that is merely suspected of having a health emergency of concern to other nations. So these Biden amendments would, uh, you know, uh, would eliminate uh, the prior restrictive language in place from the inception of the World Health Organization that specifically limited the U- to the United Nations agency role to to a consultative one. In other words, uh, that's always been their role. They can consult, but they have no power over nations. They can't intervene in a sovereign state. Uh, but these, should these amendments be voted in the affirmative, that's what would result. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that, it's, that we can't uh, resist it, because it's, it's against our Constitution, of course, to, you know, for, for uh, uh, anyone to interfere with the domestic you know, with the domestic affairs of our country. So even if it gets voted in by the WHO, uh, you know, resistance can be found. Now, other nations may not resist, but the United States is a unique nation. It's really the Constitution that is the bulwark against a foreign interference by the United Nations, because all of our elected officials pledge allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. There is no body above the United States. But, of course, uh, you know, politicians, particularly on the Democrat side, have been running roughshod over the Constitution for decades now, with no consequences. So this would just be one more stage to subordinate the United States to a, you know, to a foreign nation, a foreign power. And behind the World, Organ- World Health Organization is China. China dominates the, the WHO. And most people that have been paying attention understand this. So it's, it's really quite crazy. I think the most controversial thing about this is that the Biden administration would, uh, you know, would support this, that, that would, they'd send them amendments to the WHO to be voted on that would af- affect this. Uh, to other nations, our own included, if we don't resist it. So, Scott, let's get to China in a second, but you're talking about the Biden amendments. Now, these aren't amendments to the U.S. Constitution. They're amendments to what exactly? And and why should I raise my hand and salute the World Health Organization? Well, you should not raise your hand and salute the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is just one more agency of the corrupt United Nations. The United Nations is one of the most corrupt bodies uh, in government around the world. I mean, it ranks right up there with uh, with African nations that are totally corrupt. And by the way, Tedros comes out of Ethiopia. He was the foreign minister of Ethiopia when he invited in the Chinese to build industrial parks and buildings and so forth, which, of course, fed the Chinese desire for their Belt and Road Initiative to, for, to, to, you know, to take control of resources uh, in African nations. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. So here's this guy, Tedros. Uh, he's the Ethiopian foreign minister. Uh, he oversees the WHO. 
He certainly. No, wait a sec. He was the foreign minister up through 2016. Okay. And then the Chinese helped get him uh, put in position uh, and be. I don't know what kind of election they have at the United Nations. It's all backroom deals. You can be sure of that. A willing fool being put right. in charge. Right. Right. And, and so, how did he get these? Uh... And, and let me tell you more about Tedros. Tedros is an utterly corrupt man. I mean, he hung around with Robert Mugabe. They were, you know, they were pals. Robert Mugabe was an absolute international criminal. Killer. That, that destroyed his country, destroyed its currency, and squirreled away, you know, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in Swiss bank accounts. He took and, a country that was the breadbasket of Africa and made it so they can't even afford trash. That's right. And, and Tedros is, is one of his pals. It's time that we had frank conversations about corruption in high places and, and stop fooling ourselves that these people have any legitimacy at all. Many of them are criminals. There are criminals that are running U.N. Uh, entities, including the World Health Organization. And behind Tedros is China. And China is an utterly corrupt country. I mean, communism, by definition, is, a, you know, is the ultimate form of corruption because you run the whole economy through the central government and you empower the central government to control all the resources and of course you know they skim all kinds of money i mean the richest people in the world you know are are, are from communist regimes sometimes yeah shocked hey hey scott uh, getting back on tedros this is the man who in leading the who during the covid crisis uh, was uh, in charge of and overseeing the so-called uh, inspections and uh, investigations of the Wuhan uh, lab. That is correct. And, and I mean, he was the perfect collaborator with the Chinese. And he was. That's what he performed. He, he, he played out that role perfectly. He was in total denial, saying that the Chinese were totally transparent, you know, in, in the... Uh, uh, in the investigation of the origin of the virus and so forth. But he was covering up for the Chinese. The Chinese weren't cooperative. They weren't transparent. Of course not. So Tedros was just a shill. He's, a, he's an utterly corrupt guy owned by the Chinese. I guarantee it. So you've got Tedros, who was the foreign minister in Ethiopia. Yes, Ethiopia so he stepped down from that role right. once he got elected to head the World Health Organization. And he's not uh, even a doctor. Nation. No, that's right. You've done your homework. That's right. He so has now, no real medical background. Now, with Tedros uh, in charge of the World Health Organization, coming from uh, Ethiopia, you've got a country between Ethiopia and the waterway in uh, the waters called Eritrea. Yes. Now, yep. Eritrea, Eritrea also has a Chinese connection as well. Oh, look the the, the Chinese have been very aggressive in making investments in Africa because they want the resources there in Africa. And, and the, you know, most of the West has been kind of leery of investing in African countries because of the political instability, because of the corruption, because of terrorism. But somehow the Chinese have found a way to do it, uh, you know, and I guess it's birds of a feather flock together. Yeah, canceling uh, their debt. Right. And, 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 and then... These countries get indebted to China because 
China doesn't give things away when they build port facilities or they do a development. Uh, those countries end up owing China, and then China can control the politics of those countries. This is how it works. This is how the Chinese want to rule the world. Oh, kind of like what they're trying to do here in the U.S. Yes. They've been investing in other ways here, you know, in our university system, um, you know, in the Confucius Institutes they've established everywhere. And, and they have so many Chinese here out of the Chinese students that come to the United States. Uh, probably 40, at least 40 percent are really agents of the communist government. Isn't it interesting, Scott, when you think about how the left um, characterizes America in the 19th and 20th and even early 21st century as being colonists and and people who take advantage of other countries. The model for the for the leftists in America uh, is really China's colonialization of Africa and other uh, Asia Pacific countries as well, isn't it? It's just amazing that they don't recognize that, or maybe well, they do and they look, don't give a it's rip. It's being done by communists. These, you know, as far as leftists in America, there are no enemies on the left. You understand that? Communism is their model. They, they, they think that if they only could have the power, you know, that, 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 that if they ran the communist system, that they'd make it, you know, they'd make it good or make it work. It can't work. And uh, and I think there's a lot of cynicism, and they're, they're saying that. I think many of them you know, recognize that it's also another path to riches, really. <clears throat> look at, I mean, look at our own government. Look how many politicians get wealthy. And this is a reality that everyone has to wake up to, that, you know, that we have, we have corruption in our own government, the likes of which we never have seen in the past, and it really impales our country from functioning. Joe, so, Bi Joe Biden lives next door. Uh, in uh, Delaware uh, to a friend of mine uh, who I was uh, uh, connected with at the RNC for, for many, many years. And um, he lives in a house. I, I don't know how a guy who makes, what, a $225,000 or $275,000. It was 174000 I think that's for a House member. I think for... That's for a senator, isn't it? I, well, whether it's two seventy four or one seventy four, how does how does a, a member of the Senate uh, live in a ten million dollar house on the water in Delaware? I mean, this guy this guy is just he's just lousy, cheating, uh, and and this is the guy. And, and you know, Scott, Joe Biden may not be in charge, but you, you he could say no to the leftists who work inside of his administration, who obviously came up with a scheme on the on the WHO, don't you think? Yes, of course, of course. I mean, the buck stops with the man-in-chief, uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Biden. Uh, e even if things are going on, that he's just, uh, we all recognize that he has a sort of dementia where he's checked out, where <laughs> he just doesn't have his, he doesn't understand things completely. Yeah, not, not on his A-game. Right. Yeah. And so he can be taken advantage of. But still, uh, the buck stops with him. And, uh, you know, I think it's coming to a point where the American people are going to have to are, are going to have to move because we live in a very dangerous world and we cannot have a an executive who can't be commander in chief. Right. So, Scott, we've got Biden 
and and I'm sticking with my number of 174, Bruce. That's just me. Okay. I, and I've actually seen his house in Delaware. I've driven by it. Holy crap. That's not the home of somebody who makes 174,000. And and Scott, you've you must have researched all of this. How many politicians it's got to be countless that are getting a lot of kickbacks from China one way shape or form. And how's that actually done? Do you have any idea at all? Well, you know, I think I think we we always have to God gave us common sense. And um Sometimes, even though you you don't you can't prove it because you you know in any sort of conspiracy and sort of a you know a a a, a racket, if you will, unless you're on the inside, you can't you don't have the evidence. But you use your common sense, and and let's take let's go back and look at the uh, Obama administration in their uh, you know in 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 their secret negotiations with Iran. You know, normally when when the executive branch is negotiating some kind of an, an arrangement with a foreign country, it's done under the treaty clause, Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, which requires the Senate uh, to vote on it, to approve it. But the, but the Obama administration and Biden was part of that, purposely went around that. So that this negotiation on uh, this nuclear deal that was struck with Iran never was voted on by our Senate. And you'll remember that to close the deal, to close the deal, we shipped $1.7 billion in cash, pallets of currency on several planes were flown to Tehran and given over to the mullahs. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand what's going on here. That's untraceable cash. There have to be kickbacks to all these politicians that were in on it. Ten percent for the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that's, of course, we know that through the later developments, which was the Hunter Biden laptop. Right. And uh, I heard that it, guy on Glenn Beck the other day. Yes. Uh, who, who actually owned that little computer repair shop. This is a real guy. His life and his business was turned absolutely upside down, Scott. You know that very well. And this is a real story that has been absolutely uh, attempted to be buried by the American and the world press. It's just unbelievable. This is a real story that everybody should care about. Absolutely. And what it reveals to all your listeners is the level of corruption that now exists everywhere in our government and in our media. Because this is, the Hunter Biden laptop has all the ingredients of a great sensational story that the media would run with, doesn't it? Of course it does. It has sex. It has, you know, prostitution. Drugs, prostitution. It, it, it has drugs. It, ha, it has fast living. It has all those qualities of sensationalism that the media usually eats up. They censored the story. And they censored the Hunter Biden laptop right before uh, the 2020 election. It was censored. It was that story yeah, broke about, about two three weeks, weeks before ahead the election of the November 3rd, 2020 election. Yeah. And had it had had the story been picked up by the media widely, we might have a different outcome. I mean, there would still have been vote fraud, but even though they they can, you know, they they conducted really industrial scale vote fraud, as you can see in the 2000 Mules film. Uh, it, still, the margins in the end were pretty thin. <laughs> Um, hey, uh, 
we're, we got just a few minutes left. We're chatting with Scott Powell. Scott, you've written a wonderful book, Rediscovering America. You have a website, Rediscovering America. You collaborate with Newsmax and the American Thinker. You're a busy guy. Um, I think it's safe to say you're concerned for a number of reasons about the policies and actions from the CCC and uh, CCP in China. We've talked about that. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Bloomberg News reported China's top diplomat again warned the U.S. over its increased support of Taiwan, showing the island democracy uh, remains a major sticking point between the world's two biggest economies as Beijing sent more military aircraft to the island. You know, this is this is uh, Ukraine 2.0. I mean, you know, we may we don't have uh, um, a a mutual security policy with Ukraine. But we do have Reagan's six assurances uh, with respect to uh, Taiwan. Uh, the Chinese right. People's Liberation Army, Navy, and Air Force assets have been threatening and harassing the island for months. The strategic strength of the Chi-Coms is enormous. What the heck is going on? Are we going to have another Ukraine kind of a situation where enormous military force is used against a sovereign country by a communist power? Well, you know, peace through strength is always the answer. Uh, I don't believe that the Chinese, uh, the Chinese want to get the wealth and the uh, the technology assets of Taiwan. Do you know that Taiwan produces, manufactures sixty percent of the semiconductors that are used globally? Sixty percent. And in the very high in the high end semiconductor industry, like the Qualcomm chips and the Nvidia chips, very sophisticated uh, chips that are used in smartphones and high speed gaming and, 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 and military electronics, Taiwan manufactures over ninety percent of those. And this is all factual; you can look it up. So, uh, it really, uh, the, we are. We face an, you know, a threat really to the world order in, in, if Taiwan loses its independence. Because then if, if that industry is then controlled by the CCP, of course, there'd be blackmail, there'd be shortages, all kinds of things. We could be denied chips that are essential for military application and so forth. Now we could say, well, we're, we're, where have we been? Why, why did we allow this to get offshore? That's another story for another show. But that's where we are. And even if we started right now, I've talked to, talked to people in Silicon Valley, even if we started right now to build factories to replace those in Taiwan, it is a two to three year, if we did it nonstop, full speed ahead, it still would be a two or three year project to replace what was lost in Taiwan. Hey, Scott, before we let you loose for today, you write in Rediscovering America about the greatness of America. But there's a growing population of Americans on the left that seek to destroy the company, the country by limiting speech, failing to report all the news, damaging national holiday traditions and foundations such as threatening violence against our fellow Americans, including political leaders, and most recently the justices of the Supreme Court that we just saw. What would James Madison and the other founders think if they saw America today and why Rediscovering America, which talks about the truth of our holidays and traditions, is so important for the next generations? Well, of course, they, they would, uh, it, it would be a, a heartbreaking experience if, they, if, if, if we could transpose them to the present time and they'd see what's going on. And I think they would say, well, we told you so. 
John Adams, Sam Adams, uh, George Washington said in his farewell address that uh, the the greatest, uh, one of the three greatest threats uh, to our decline, and he believed that we would not have a foreign invasion, but rather we would collapse from within, and moral decline was a key area, one of his three key points. And this was reinforced by many of the other founders, particularly Scott, the Adams family. So Scott Powell. it's a moral decline that we face, so we've got to have a, a, a revival of a spiritual revival, and then I think everything will get sorted out. Scott Powell, Rediscovering America, How the National Holidays Tell an Amazing Story About Who We Are. Find it online or ask for it at your favorite bookstore. Thanks for joining us today on Inside Track. Evan, I hope we'll speak again soon. I look forward to it. You bet. It's time for our bottom of the hour break. Thanks for listening to Inside Track. We'll be right back talking about telehealth with Dr. Josh Umber. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to tucsonironretail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. We're going to go in a slightly different direction for the balance of the show today. Uh, Dr. Josh Umber joins us from Wichita, Kansas. Josh is the founder of Atlas Healthcare, which is a practice he says Atlas is about keeping healthcare simple. We're going to be talking about telehealth and who knows what else. Josh Umber, welcome to Inside Track. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're a first time guest here, so tell us a little something about you, your background, and how you believe healthcare can be simple? Well, about 12 years ago, we started a practice um, and, and under the model called direct primary care. And you don't have car insurance for gasoline or homeowners insurance for lawn care. Why have health insurance for primary care? But the caveat there is making primary care affordable. So our model, we don't take insurance and we charge a flat rate like a gym based on age. So $10 a month for kids, $50 a month for most adults for 
unlimited home visits, work visits, office visits. We have no copays. Any procedure we can do in the office is free, free telemedicine, and we get medicines and labs up to 95% cheaper to save our patients money. Now, you've also, if I remember correctly, um, you guys have a whole thing with surgery as well where you're getting huge discounts on that? Yeah, we work in tandem with uh, surgery centers across the country that do similar things. Surgery Center of Oklahoma was kind of the uh, uh, main innovator there years ago. Uh, it's amazing how much cheaper healthcare can be when you cut out all the minimum. Yeah, you said that before 2020, telehealth was infrequently used. Why is that? Well, b- because most doctors were in an insurance model, and insurance wouldn't reimburse for that, and government rules like HIPAA made complying with um, their restrictions almost so difficult that it wasn't worth it. But then insurance never really found a way to reimburse for an email. Is that the same as an office visit, less than an office visit? So if it was going to be less than an office visit, doctors weren't incentivized to adopt that. So they they had a a lot of issues hanging out there until stress tested COVID. So you, you have written as patients and healers confronted the realities of the pandemic. Many practices joined the telehealth movement while those already on board ramped up their services. And before 2020, the use had been uh, low, mostly because of the Byzantine state federal laws prohibiting healthcare providers from delivering virtual care to most patients. Talk about that further. Well, HIPAA was a law written in 1996. You know, um, technology changed a lot since then, and government didn't. So they, they never really figured out how to deal with either social media or phones or texting or video chat, email. And ultimately, those are all things that we've come to, you know, almost depend on in a modern life to make communicating easy and transparent. Uh, but doctors never adopted that because the government set these rules in such a way that the, the security was so high that, and the usability so low people just defaulted to what they knew. So with telehealth, somebody like me living in Arizona, can I use a doctor like you? Yeah, there are uh, definitely a lot of direct care doctors in Arizona. And uh, so, Well, can I use you with you being in uh, Wichita? The state laws there probably still have some room for development. Um, Most of the time you're going to need to be a resident of the state I'm licensed in or the doctors can get licensed in multiple states to kind of grow out their practice. So there are some options there. Um, but you could also find a doctor and work with them across the state so that you don't, you're don't you not limited to the physicians within your zip code or driving distance. Do you think telehealth is here to stay? You know, I think it's like a lot of these technologies. We're probably not going to go back to a time of radio that's not digital. We're not going to go to a time where we don't shop online or learn online or watch movies online. And I I think telehealth is like anything. There's good ways to use it and less efficient ways to use it. But in combination with the doctor you know and trust and can follow up with in person if needed, I think it adds really kind of an unprecedented unprecedented level of uh, enrichment. You can follow up with patients by email, by text. They'll tell me things in an email that they find very difficult to tell in person. 
And if they have to wait a week to get in, they may cancel or miss the appointment versus if they have a chance to call, text, email right when they feel the need, uh, we definitely, that helps to make care faster, easier, ultimately cheaper. So you also wrote that the federal government correctly chose to bypass the antiquated HIPAA regulations created in 96 in exchange for the good faith principle, which allowed doctors and patients uh, the opportunity to use the best technology without fear of reprisal. So with fewer restrictions, providers could get more reimbursement or get reimbursement. Patients could stay home. Uh, Talk about the good faith principle. Well, you know, it's one of those uh, rare opportunities to say the government did something right, Um, especially these days where they understood this was an unprecedented issue and was going to be here to stay and people were going to be sicker. They were going to be afraid of going to the doctor or you know, at the time they did this, we were still in the two weeks to flatten the curve stage. So they said, well, we're going to have to let doctors use new technology. And really, March 2020, in stroke of a pen, changed it from the old laws to this good faith principle to say, use whatever you can. Yeah, And as long as you're not collecting data or selling data or doing things you shouldn't, as long as you're taking care of patients, we're going to give you a wide you know, berth here. And, and ultimately, that was very helpful. Uh, for an infectious disease pandemic, not everybody should come to the office. And not everybody could come to the office. Uh, that ultimately allowed the uh, doctors, nurses, therapists to overnight use technologies that people were using every day in any other profession. Does this give you the ability to see more patients and provide greater service for the time that you have with them? Yeah, I think it does. I think it allows us to be very efficient um, because sometimes you'll spend more time scheduling an office visit than you will do just treating the patient. Um, You take something like pink eye or rash or allergies. You couldn't feasibly tell a patient to come back every two hours to the office to follow up on this pink eye. But you can tell a patient to just text me a picture every two hours or is this going to turn into a MRSA, a staph infection that's resistant? I don't know yet. Send me pictures every hour. We'll see if it's growing. Or, hey, follow up on a migraine, depression, anxiety. If everything had to be an appointment, people had to get off work and rearrange their schedules and find babysitters for the kids, that complicates things immensely. Uh, But I've got a patient with an Apple Watch who sends me an EKG every morning because we're in the middle of adjusting some medicines. That, again, wouldn't be feasible in a typical model. And now telehealth and and really the broader term of telecare encompassing all this new technology we have ultimately makes better, faster, cheaper, easier healthcare. So this actually gives you greater care, gives the patient greater care for... for uh, less time on everybody's schedule. Right. Um, We wouldn't exchange uh, emails for meetings every time because not every interaction at work requires a meeting, but it does require some communication. And I think healthcare is very analogous to that. People can't answer all of their, you know, depression or anxiety questions in a 10-minute visit. But we can follow up with those each week with an email. So, Josh... um what kind of wait times are there 
that you see with telehealth versus in person. Then I've got one more thing after that before Bruce jumps in and pushes me away. <laughs> well, for, for the direct care model, minutes to hours. That's the beautiful part. Um, we can definitely respond to some text messages and emails right away if we're not currently with a patient. Um, but in a more standard insurance model, I think hours to days as opposed to the standard days to weeks. So, you know, the good th- here's I've had some experience with telehealth. Uh, I had to get a total ankle replacement last year. Um, mm-hmm. They couldn't do it here. I had to go to New York City to get it done. And three of my appointments have been telehealth. Now, I'm not holding my ankle up in front of the guy, but we are getting x-rays here and, and shipping them off to get looked at. Uh, and from that standpoint, that's been a very positive experience. And, you know, and that radiology is a great example of how we've been using teleradiology, telehealth, for a decade or more, um, because that's a digital image that can be sent to a radiologist anywhere in the world. So you could have an ankle specialist looking at the x-ray, um, which, you know, more so than just the local radiologist. And we wouldn't ex- exchange that benefit of technology or your ability to fly to the best surgeon for your condition. Um, but you can't, you don't want to have to fly back every time. So it's, it's weaving this in where appropriate, uh, and you know, when it works with the patient, just to maximize efficiency in care. Dr. Umber, this is Eric jumping in. Hey, I just want to say, I actually think the future with telehealth is very bright with millennials interacting with technology and computers. And obviously for younger people, healthcare is just a matter of people wanting to get online and just consult with somebody. Um, what do you do as far as your group to market those services and make people aware how to access and um, how they can interact with you? I think it's a, a great question. We try to weave that in um, when, whenever we're interacting with the patient. We might say, oh, you know, um, I'm really struggling with pink eye. Great. Send us a picture because we can have a picture in two minutes from a text rather and you can't get ready and get in the car in the next two minutes. So depending on their situation, we're reminding them of the best way and say, hey, I'm, I'm really dealing with some stress. Does, does the doctor have some time? Maybe. Sometimes that's more important to do in person. But because now we see people for 30 or 60 minutes at a time, we're we're able to focus on them when they do need to come in, in large part because we were able to manage the other things that didn't necessarily have to come in. So really trying to apply it like the right medicine. We want to give you antibiotics for a cold. We want to give you antidepressants for seizures. We, We find the right tool for the right project. We're speaking with Dr. Josh Umber about telehealth and medicine in general. Josh, this is Bruce Ash. Uh, I, I co-host the show with Eb, and um, you know it's interesting that you that you talked, gave the examples, great examples of how telehealth can help people um, uh, quite a bit these days. I had a surgery to re-engineer my neck recently. And I watched my CT scans and MRIs, both pre-surgical and post-surgical, with my surgeon up in Phoenix. Um, talk about teleradiology and telepathology. Um, is this is this strictly between healthcare professionals, or is this also with patients and doctors as well? Yeah, I, I don't think it's limited by any means. Um, in the scenario with radiology, usually it's more 
primary to specialist as opposed to the radiologist communicating as much directly with the patient. But because those things are digital or the pathology mentioned, you know, once that tissue is preserved, you can send it anywhere. So you can send it you know, to another state to, if that's the best price and the best service, which is kind of like shopping on Amazon. I can go to Target locally if I want to. Uh, if I'm doing a home project, I want to pick it up that day. I'm going to go to Home Depot. But a lot of things, I can wait and have them shipped to me. Hmm. So to be able to say, you know, where's the best price or the best quality to send this digital image for review, well, that just seems, you know, uh, like a great benefit. Hmm. Can you talk about telemedicine related to the use of technology between health professionals in different locations and how that can uh, improve health outcomes? Well, another big thing that came out of the pandemic and not being able to leave your home or, or these things is uh, those doctors had a harder time referring to specialists. Some of those specialty offices were closed for months at a time. So doctor-to-doctor consulting services yeah. really picked up momentum because um, I don't necessarily need the endocrinologist to do the exam that I've already done, but I may have questions. You right. Know, hey, which test is the next most cost-effective test? Should I wait one week or four weeks? The textbook isn't quite clear, right? So, you know, if it's professional to professional, we can keep it cerebral and talk through and get a next best plan when otherwise it would be waiting weeks or months. Mm-hmm. I can send a picture to a dermatologist and get an answer in a day versus schedule locally at six to eight weeks out. Um, so that ability for professionals to communicate and use standard technology, really, um, but it, it sped up that whole healthcare process. So um, I want to ask a question. Um, how do you think telehealth, either in your practice or in others like yours, uh, how do you think the, the uh, deadly effects of your COVID patients and some of your other contemporaries in this field, uh, how they compared with, say, doctors who sort of practice, you know, standard medicine? I think if the old standard way was to bring every individual, whether they're sick or not, to an office, uh, to a waiting room, let them sit there for 15 to 60 minutes, breathing the same air and coughing on each other, um, versus that ability to keep the sick but stable people at home, the... um, you know, non-contagious patients managed with uh, telemedicine, but then the sick and unstable ones who did need physical exam or evaluation, they could come in at a time when they wouldn't be exposing other patients. But that also means less exposure to us, less of us exposing the healthy or the sick. Mm. Um, you know, in hindsight, I can't imagine doing it any other way, right? It, it sort of this... Um, uh, absurd reality that we had with every other flu season where we know from an infectious disease standpoint it's not good to bring people into a waiting room and have them sit together but that's the only way doctors got paid so for every flu season if you wanted treatment you'd have to come in to the physical office cough on people who are there for a swollen ankle and potentially trade these things Um, this allowed us to be a a lot smarter about Mm -hmm who comes in, how, when, why, 
to still deliver the best possible care we can to each patient, but not exposing them unnecessarily to infections. Dr. Josh, my wife is a counselor and works primarily with subjects online along with another counselor. This is also another form of telemedicine, I presume? Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my own example of, of one of the great things about telemedicine, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my pet peeve about telemedicine. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in Washington, D.C. I attended a meeting, and I don't know how this happened, but I got uh, these um, kind of bumps on the inside of my palms, and I was staying with my son, and I was scratching away, you know, with it. And his wife was looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And there was, you know, two kids at home at the time. And uh, anyway, I didn't know what the heck it was. And I was concerned enough to take a picture of it on my phone and send it to mm-hmm. my concierge doctor who who diagnosed it as... Um, Dishydrotic eczema? Pardon? He diagnosed it as dyshydrotic eczema? Well, I th- something... Uh, uh, foot and mouth or disease or something. Oh, could be that as well, hand, foot and mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they kicked me out of the house. I had to Why am I not surprised, Bruce? <laughs> I, had, I had to get another. That's the I reason to, we tell everybody. <laughs> um, but 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 here's here's where I, I with all due respect, because I think this is a, a great service that you're providing. Can we agree that telemedicine might have some shortcomings? And it's mostly, I think, with surgeons. It's partly historical when service was denied to me because the doctor didn't believe how ill I was at one one point in time in my life. I think that seeing a patient in person, laying hands on them, watching them walk or move or being able to read body language, which can't be done by Zoom or FaceTime, is important. And, um, you know, the, you know, Physicians today aren't aren't this high and mighty, you know, sort of unquestionable sort of source for medical advice. I, I mean, things have really changed over the past, you know, 40, 50 years or so. But don't you think there's some value to being able to see a person in person and, and to lay hands on, on them? Well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be a physician if I didn't enjoy that whole process and relationship building. Um, but I think it's the right tool for the right job. Uh, a, a wrench makes a decent hammer. A hammer makes a horrible wrench. And um, you, you're, you're definitely not wrong in that you'll pick up some things on, in person that you wouldn't otherwise. But the reverse is true, is that people will tell you things they wouldn't tell you in person. And you can follow back up with them and be like, well, you know, Here's what's inconsistent, and I think what we're actually dealing with is X, Y, and Z. And you know, the patients who deal with the most anxiety and the most depression are going to be anxious about the appointment. They're going to be anxious about asking the boss off for yet another, you know, time right. off work. Right. So there, it's a mix, right? And you want to try to, you know, we, uh, thread that needle as accurately as possible. So uh, real the people who need to be seen are, and vice versa. Real quickly before we go, what resources are available for regular people to find out more about telehealth and concierge medicine? Uh, the best thing to do would be uh, we either we have a map at our website atlas md slash map m a p, or just Google direct primary care and your city. Um, there's direct care doctors 
uh, essentially in all 50 country or account states. Um, it's growing. We're seeing this about 20 to 30 new clinics a month um, because direct care clinics really put their focus primarily on the patient, right? We're not focused on the insurance anymore. So patients, I think, are responding very well to that grassroots movement. Um, they're feeling heard and respected and valued uh, at an affordable price. We've got one minute and 45 seconds left. What do you want our listeners to know that we didn't talk about? Um, you know, I, I think the the uh, combination of direct primary care and telemedicine is where we really see that future going. Um, it's hard to do telemedicine in an insurance model because you're you're trying to monetize little things, right? And for 60, 80 years, we've just monetized an office visit and complexity. And But, you know, just sometimes reaching out to a patient by text message will trigger all kinds of conversations or being able to follow up with an email, say, hey, we were working on weight loss. Are you exercising? And then, you know, if they have a positive result, encouraging them or, or just that patient knowing that not every interaction with their doctor is going to be through, uh, you know, a receptionist and scheduling or turn into an insurance billable item. Hey, right? Dr. Umber, I am sorry we are out of time for today's show. No problem. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. One more time, give your website information. Uh, uh, atlas.md slash map, M-A-P. Great. Best of luck to you. Insiders, Evan, I hope you uh, uh, enjoyed uh, today's uh, show. Uh, next week, Eric... Um, uh, uh, Eric Gruden joins us, and he's going to be the host of the show for the Memorial Day weekend. Our show is podcasted both on the KVOI website as well as on Apple Podcasts. Close to 130 Inside Track episodes are at Apple Podcasts. Until next week, when Eric has another great show planned for Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash. Eb Wilkinson. Eric Gruden. Thanks for listening today. Eric, we'll see you again in 167 hours. Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal. What are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing, and then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through, but that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house, we sell literally anything made of metal. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com.